Hello, Dale Partridge here. You're listening to an episode from the Real Christianity Archive. Veronica and I originally began this podcast under the name Ultimate Marriage as a resource for our online marriage mentor program found at ultimatemarriage.com. While our marriage program is still a critical part of our ministry, after about 30 episodes, we decided to change the name of this podcast to Real Christianity as a way to widen the scope of our biblical content. That said, these are some of our most popular episodes, so please enjoy and stay with us on the journey to bring the church back to the Bible. Welcome to Ultimate Marriage, a weekly show designed to replace the lies culture has told us about marriage and family with the raw truth found in the Bible. The premise is simple. Divorce is rising, families are falling, and the culture and even the church seems to be more confused than ever. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to have a Christian marriage. Welcome to Ultimate Marriage. Today we are going to be doing a little bit of Q&A. Usually we have a bit of a topical conversation for you guys, but today um, we're just going to be answering a lot of the questions that we get sent in. Yeah, we usually have a time at the end of a podcast to answer one or two questions, but we get so many questions now. Um, that we feel bad that we're not getting to some of them because some of them are really, really good. And I think we have some great questions to answer uh, for you guys today. Um, A couple things I wanted to announce is one, I could be wrong, but I think we might be, as of now, the most highly rated and the most rated marriage podcast on iTunes. Okay, that's a crazy (laughs) statement. So thank you guys for leaving your reviews. I think we have over 700 and something, almost oh 800 goodness. reviews, which well, is the a reason ton. is because of those reviews. So thank you. Yeah. So thank you. So if you guys, um, again, would be willing to leave a review on iTunes, all you do is just tap the stars. You don't even need to write anything. If you want to write something, we like, we look at every single review and read it. So, um, if you, if you want to write it, write it. If you don't, don't. Um, uh, also, again, if you're listening to this on iTunes, just know that it, you can also um, listen to this as a YouTube video. We record this. We're in our studio right now recording. Our kids are sleeping mm-hmm. in the other uh, the other building because we're in our studio outside of our property. We have a monitor, though, so we can see them. Yeah, we can see them. <laughs> and um, And we're leaving for vacation tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow morning. Yeah, so we're going to Idaho. Um, yeah. So by the time you guys are listening to this podcast, we will be in Idaho. We will be in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're not ahead on our podcast with like, we're recording this and these are going out and I wish we were, but we're not because we've just been walking through some hard stuff and we haven't been able to have a chance to catch up. So, um, a couple things, um, the, the content today is possibly on some of the questions is a little sensitive. So if you're listening to this and there's children around or you have it on blast because there's public ears, <laughs> You just might want to be careful because there's some sexual conversation that we're going to be having today. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> just reading through our 
our Q&A, I was like, oh, hopefully nobody's listening to this with their kids in the car. Yeah. Um, and so also a couple things I want to say is that these questions, um, they're great questions. They are a bit of an evidence that people don't have somebody to turn to in their real life to ask these questions. And that's sad because the Lord wants us to have that biblical community. So again, we want to encourage you guys to get biblical community established so that you guys can have these types of questions, not through a podcast, um, but also through, I should say, not just through a podcast, because it is good. It is good content for us to have a conversation about, but also with a true biblical community of other families or other couples that are walking out the scriptures with you. Um, So yeah, let's dive in. Oh, you know what? There's another announcement that I want to make. If you guys are not listening, or if you guys are not enrolled currently in our Ultimate Marriage um, program, we have a one-year marriage mentor program. Some of you guys have heard about it when we do our little ad in the middle of our show. Um, We are collecting people who want to be notified now. We have several hundred people waiting to be in the next group. We have currently 370 couples that are in our... um, our first group, which is a one-year program. It's awesome. And we go into super detail on what it means to have a biblical marriage. Um, and it's very fun. We have a great community, tons of questions in our Facebook, private Facebook group. If you're interested in being involved in the next group, go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash notify and just put your, your um, email name and phone number in there. And we won't spam you, I promise, but we will reach out to you guys soon. Um, okay. Veronica is going to read some of these questions and. Okay, guys, let's get started. So question. Well, actually, before we get into question number one, um, I just wanted to say that a lot of these questions that we get sent or they get sent in are repetitive questions. A lot of the same types of questions from different um, people. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of condense them and we chose the questions based off the ones that are kind of submitted the most. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So go ahead and read number one. All righty. So let's get started. Now, question number one, my fiance and I are in school still, and when we get married, I will be working full-time to provide while he is in grad school full-time. If God designed the woman's role to be the homemaker, is it unbiblical for her to be working a job outside of the home? Yeah, so a couple things that I want to say. First thing is, is you know, her question stated there, is it unbiblical for her? Oh, God designed the woman's role to be the homemaker. So one is that... I, I believe that God designed the wife's role to be the homemaker. At least that's the scriptural perspective on it. Now, does it kind of imply that that's a woman's role? Sure, but it's directly implied as a wifely duty, not necessarily a single woman's duty. Now, can a single woman keep a home? Absolutely. We, we know lots of single women that keep a fantastic home. Um, but again, that doctrine is is very much specific to a, uh, a wifely duty. And the reason is, is that if you have a your, your, your single life, you, when you give that single life up for a marital life, that marital life has roles associated with it. And you are no longer pursuing as a single adult, you're actually pursuing what, what God says, the marital role. You are actually somebody's helper at that point, fulfilling the call that God has on your life together as, as a couple. And in that, that category or in that marital role, one of the jobs is to keep the home. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the scripture, Titus 2. It's talking to the older women specifically, but all of us women are older than somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and the idea is the older women teaching the younger women. Yeah, how to love their husbands, how to love their children, to be to be discreet, chaste, to be keeper at home. Um, meaning the heart of your ministry should be in the home, or at least stem from the home. Yeah, so if you're a woman, you're, 
if you're a, you're a woman or a wife, I mean, specifically a wife, the heart of your ministry should be in the home. And it's very difficult to accomplish that um, if, uh, if you're gone all the time. It, you know, it's very hard to have a, a, uh, the heart of your ministry stemming from the home if you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. If you have a 40-hour job, you, you're gone generally about 50 hours a week because of the commute time and, and the lunch times between there. So it's a lot of commitment to be out of the home. So, um, uh, and if I said, if you said that you had kids, I know you guys are not married yet, I, I would say this would be different. Um, I don't think that, uh, it would be wise. If this was your forever plan, um, I, I don't think that would be wise either. But because this is a season, because this is a, hey, you're, I'm, the way that I'm actually going to help my husband is that I'm going to work so he could finish some school. And then we're going to go flip back into our proper marital roles where he is the provider, the, gen, the general provider, protector, all the instruction of providing in the scriptures do talk to men to do that. And then all the nurturing, the homekeeping and keeping all that other side together, especially when there's children in the picture are generally pointed towards the wives. And so um, getting back in that perspective, I think is important. Yeah, because a full-time wife with a part, sorry, I messed that line up, of a full-time home with a part-time wife and mother is not a healthy place to be. No, it's a very dangerous place to be in terms of just a, yeah, being absent um, from that. And there's so many full-time homes with part-time mothers right now. And that's actually, that's not, there's, is there not enough work to do? No, I was going to say, our homes, our husbands, our children require a lot more of our love, our care, our attention than what we'd be able to give them if we worked only part-time in the home. Yeah. Well, I just go like, is there any way that you could possibly have a part-time job without compromising your no, ministry not at home? without compromising. Yeah. Yeah. No, no way. There's no way. I mean, there, there's so much work for Veronica here that she can barely keep up. There's no, like she, she can barely keep up with these podcasts. In terms of just us getting out here, we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm helping her with notes and we're having a conversation before, but it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. We're doing it when our kids are in bed. Yeah. And I know that this is an option. This is not an option for every woman out there. Um, but if this is you and you are working full time or you're even working part time, I just want to encourage you to have the conversation with your husband to be working towards getting back into the biblical role and having your ministry stem from home. Yeah. The last episode we talked about money is that, you know, so much, we, we, we desire so much that we, we put these pressures on our income that we need to make more to have more. In reality, we can actually kind of start cutting some of those expenses so that we can get into a, where, where the husband provides and the, the wife can take care of the home. Now, if there's no kids, again, that's a different thing mm-hmm. because you can keep the home and still have a full-time job in my opinion. And I don't think there's anything unbiblical about having a job as a woman or a wife. However, when it compromises your ability to fulfill your first ministry, uh, then it becomes a problem. And so, yeah, it's not unbiblical. Um, Get back into your roles when that season ends. Get back into that, your roles when children become part of the picture. Um, And set yourself up to multiply and set yourself up to produce godly children and to build a godly home. And, and so that's my, that's my advice on that question. We get that question all the time. It's not unbiblical to work as a woman, um, as long as it doesn't compromise your first ministry. Okay. Question number two, 
Whew, I am away from my wife often for work and really struggle with the sexuality component component. I know pornography is sinful, but what about masturbation? Is there a way for that to be healthy in a marriage? I just imagine everybody blushing when they hear that word, right? It's a bad, hopefully your kids aren't listening. <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty awkward word. Um, okay. So this is a good question because I think it's some of the questions that, that a lot of people have, but not many people are bold enough to ask. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to answer it with some scripture. So first is, um, one, he says he's away a lot. And I actually know there's lots of military husbands. There's, there's lots of people that have work schedules that take them away. And I want to bring scripture to bear down on that context. So first Corinthians seven, five says, do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So uh, one, that scripture tells us that we, we shouldn't be depriving our, setting ourselves up, our lives up, our schedules up in a way that deprives our bodies from each other. Um, you know, in ter- if you're like gone for a couple days, that's not a big deal. But if you're these people that are, I'm gone for two weeks or three months or two months at a time, I would really encourage you if it's possible to reconsider your career path. Um, I've constantly heard in the marriage ministry, people that are away from each other all the time really struggle with this area, pornography, sexual sin, sexual adult or infidelity, adultery, all types of stuff that's happening. So I would encourage you, um, remember that you're, if you feel called to that job, remember that God's calling on your life will not compromise your first ministry, which is your wife or your husband and your family. And so that's the first thing is be very careful on just having a life that puts you away from each other for long periods of time. Um, the second part, uh, do you have anything to add to that? No. I okay. Think that sounds great. Um, first Corinthians seven, four, the verse right before the verse that I just read says, uh, and this is kind of approaching the masturbation conversation, which is no intention to rhyme there, but I guess we'll bring some humor in it. Um, is, the wife, it says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Um, so in reality, you know, masturbation is ultimately, you, you don't really have that choice because actually my body is actually, I don't have authority over it, but my wife does, Veronica does. And Veronica doesn't have authority over her body, but I do. And so my opinion is that sex by yourself is sex outside of marriage. Now, I want to give you some context on that because that's a pretty bold statement. Um, Now, if your spouse knows about it, if your spouse approves it, if your thoughts uh, and intentions are pointed toward your spouse and not um, committing adultery in your heart. You're not doing it in secret. You're not doing it in secret. Mm-hmm. And I know there, I know that there are lots of people listening today that do this in secret and that is not okay. Um, one, again, your spouse has authority over your own body or over, over your body. You do not have authority over your body and, um, they need to know about it. They need to be involved in it if they can be in terms of, and you know, this happens all, all the time. I mean, Veronica, you, you can talk about just the reality of kid, kid life. 
um, is that that during seasons of children, there's times where we we can't. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm 38, 39 weeks pregnant and just absolutely extremely uncomfortable, or or the eight weeks or, after, or yeah, it's usually about six weeks for most women. For for me, I take longer to heal, so Lucky Dale gets to wait a good eight to ten weeks at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just kind of have to get creative. You do. It's, is um, our elder likes to say there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I think that you just need to take in cons- take into consideration um, your spouse's needs and desires, and if you're away, then have those sometimes awkward and hard conversations. They are. They're awkward and hard. They're awkward and hard. When you're not used to having those conversations. When you have them, the more you have the them. The more you have them, the less awkward they get and the less uncomfortable they get. And this is protecting just, your marriage. Yeah, it's total proactive protecting your marriage. Um, but yeah, it just gets way less awkward and uncomfortable because it's just faced with reality that if you are used to being intimate with your spouse, it's, you know, every few days or however long your frequency is, and then all of a sudden that's taken away because of a work trip or a you're leaving on a trip for some reason or your postpartum or your postpartum, whatever it is, or health issues. Um, then yeah, you need to have those conversations with your spouse. Yeah. And I mean, it can be as simple. I mean, Veronica will, as a wife, pay attention to this because Veronica will ask me in those seasons that we have those seasons, you know, with postpartum or whatever, she'll ask me, how you doing? You know, and those yeah, are, are, are you struggling? Are you, you struggling? Tempted yeah. At all and, or? And it's just proactive stuff. And I know it's vulnerable and it's awkward to even talk about, mm-hmm. but it's really good for your marriage. And just have the conversation to protect your marriage there. Um, and, you know, there's there's not, um, there's not a lot of clarity on this area. We're taking principles of scripture and applying to them to that. So I hold this doctrine loosely in terms of, you know, is it sinful? Is it not sinful? That's my take on it. What I shared with you a few minutes ago. Um, but one statement that I always say is that where scripture is clear, God looks at our actions where scripture is obscure. God looks at our hearts. And so are you trying to do something? Are are, you know, secretively, you know, are you away from your wife and you're not telling her? And and when she does ask, you actually say, Oh, you're, I've been fine. Everything's been good. I haven't been tempted to look at pornography or, or I, I haven't, you know, released myself or whatever it might be. It's important to get that out and just get your marriage clear of that stuff and have those conversations. So difficult question to answer, but I think but we did hey, it. A very, a very common one, yeah, one that we get a lot. Hey, Dale Partridge here. Last year, I heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. You see, the vast majority of Christians don't know God's word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. Again, that's ultimatemarriage.com forward slash Bible. Now let's dive back into the show. 
Um, so question number three, what steps should a biblical woman take to introduce her husband to the word of God? I hear this question pretty frequently. Um, and I would say just let him see you reading the scriptures. When you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, go downstairs or wherever your kitchen is, make yourself a cup of coffee and sit down and start reading the Bible. Um, and if he's open to it, you know, maybe if he's not, you know, hard line shut off to the word of God, I would just try and engage him in a conversation and say, Hey, I read something really interesting. Can I tell you about it? Mm-hmm. And maybe ask him a question about it. Try and engage, um, and pique his interest in whatever it is that you're reading. Um, but if not, I would, you know, lean back on scripture in First Peter 3, 1, which we have read a million times in this podcast. Um, and it's wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your pure conduct accompanied by reverence. So I just want to highlight that part where it says without a word. If he is shut off to it, then just do it anyway. Read the scriptures without a word though. You don't need to necessarily say anything to him, but if you're following the scriptures, the Holy Spirit has a power of, of moving and working in your husband's heart accompanied with prayer. Yeah. And know this, that, you know, if you have a a non-believing husband, the scriptures still apply in terms of, you know, um, uh, wives be submissive to your own husbands as the Lord. Um, that way, that, that, that scripture means to be submissive into all things that are lawful, meaning that the things that aren't going to be making you sin against the Lord and things that aren't illegal. So you don't have to, you know, and the reason I say that again is, is Romans 12, two talks about God's perfect will. And, um, and we know that Romans 13 says that we need to be following the laws of the land as Christians. And so, um, I don't think that Paul is going to force you in a pos- position in that doctrine to disobey one of his other doctrines that was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So again, that's my take on that scripture. Um, and, uh, so a couple things, yeah, on that scripture, I like the, the word where it says, um, that, okay, I'm going to read it. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe. Mm-hmm. So that word is important when they observe, they, your husband will observe and he's not going to just observe your Bible reading. He's going to observe if you're a hypocrite or not. Well, it says observe your pure conduct accompanied by reverence. Yeah. So you're, 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 he's going to find out, oh, cool. So he's going to be watching to see the authenticity of that scripture permeating throughout your behavior and your pure conduct. And that's what that talks about. Um, it, the, the word and in, in in some translation is chaste conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, and accompanied, some translations will say fear. Um, that word is reverence, and it means that you're actually still walking in a really huge respect for your husband. Um, you combined that kind of non-hypocritical content of the scriptures, the reading of it, and this giant respect for your husband, and this consistency of that over time, accompanied with prayer for your husband, and letting the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting and not your mouth that's a game changer. The Holy Spirit is really good at his job. Amen. Oh, and then one last thing. Watch, if you can, if he's interested, watch uh, Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, the new movie that came out. I was really impressed. Um, 
I just thought it was a good movie for people that are kind of like on the fence on, on their faith and might just want something. This guy has a very similar story. Wife believes, husband doesn't. And it's just a really cool, it's a really cool movie. I think it's available on Netflix or Prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, question four. My husband and I are thinking about uh, removing our children from the public school system. What does the Bible say about educating our children? Oh, man. All education is discipleship. <laughs> yeah. So, all education. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good that's a good way to open that is that all education is discipleship. Where's the war for your children's heart? Where is Satan playing for keeps? Yeah. He, it, <laughs> it's happening in the public school system, guys. Um, in the school system. Yeah. Not just the public school system. Yeah. In, yeah. In and the, yeah. So public school. yeah, exactly. Even in the private school system. So. Um, again, I want to preface this real quick is that we were both public school kids. Mm -hmm. I was private and public. Yeah. Private first and then going and then went to public. Yeah. Yeah. And I was public my whole life. And also I know that not every family can homeschool and or private school. Mm -hmm. It's not an option for everyone. It's not an option for everyone. If it can be an option, I say move heaven and earth to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Um, Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. That's a conversation about, okay, well, what does it take to be wise? Can you be secular and be wise? No, the wisdom, it says, the scriptures say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you cannot be wise without knowing God. So if you're putting your children into a public school system that is very much against God, it produces actually theories of evolution and theories of atheism and theories of emotional morality and theories of moral relativism. Like um, this is, you won't be able to obey this scripture in terms of he who walks the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Are you putting your children under the headship of fools or are you putting them under the headship of wise men? Um, in Matthew 18, six, it says probably one of the scariest scriptures around Jesus is talking and I'm going to read what he says. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones, this is right after they were just talking about children who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a millstone wrapped around his neck and be drowned in the sea. Now, when Jesus talks about little ones, he's not specifically talking about children's. He's talking about little ones in the faith. However, all children are little ones in the faith. And um, the warning is not to purposefully choose to put your child who is undeveloped in their faith or underdeveloped in their faith in a place of temptation, moral confusion, confusion, or secular seduction. That our job as parents is to be very careful with our children. If we lead them astray because we put them under an education system for 40 hours a week or whatever, um, like that's us. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a millstone wrapped around his neck and be drowned into the sea. Yeah. You, you guys, parents, we need to not be fooled because Satan is playing for keeps and he wants the hearts and the minds of our kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you. That's how he built his kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to see what why the culture has turned the way it is, I I give lots of credit to the public school system um, for why the world has changed the way that it has over the past you know fifty to a hundred years. 
Do you happen to know you because you did a, a YouTube video or something like this specifically on this topic? Do you yeah. happen to know how people can find that off the top of your head? Um, if you just go to our YouTube channel where all of our shows are at, it's also there available as well on on um, the conversation of a homeschool versus public school. It's a pretty in-depth video. I think it's about five to ten minutes long. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so if you're interested and you're kind of on the fence if you want to take your kid out or not. Um, Dale does a whole yeah five-minute video specifically on this topic, and we cover a lot of it here. Yeah, and as, as Veronica said earlier, all education is discipleship. And um, if you're sending your children to public school for 30 to 40 hours a week, um, how do you expect to out-disciple that? Yeah, just remember, God created you to be your child's parent. He specifically designed you to be that child's parent. So you are the best person to disciple your child. We, that's all we are. We're discipling our children. And if we want them to grow up to be believers and we have to be that example and pour into them and read the word and teach them the scriptures and on top of all the other characteristics that they need to learn. Um, and if you're, cause trust me, I had a really, really challenging time in school. Mm -hmm. Um, I had several teachers pass away. I had several teachers get fired. I like by textbook definition, I should not be qualified um, to homeschool my children, but I'm going to, Mm -hmm. um, because that's just what I feel like God has called us to do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I forgot my point, but I was just saying God has designed you to be able to pour in your children. To your child's needs. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that idea there is that you're not going to out-disciple 30 to 40 hours a week. It's just not going to happen. You think that 60 minutes of drawing sketches of Noah's Ark on Sunday school or um, having some Bible reading time for 15 minutes in the morning is going to out-disciple and compete with the 30 to 40 hours a week of secular doctrine and ideology that are being poured out on your children's minds, along with a whole culture of children who are lost— Remember that God doesn't tell children to go be light in the world. All that instruction for going to be in light and representing his kingdom is to adults. It is not your child's job to go out and be a light in another child's life. It's not his burden to bear. Those are doctrines that are given to adults. Um, And I'm going to read you a a, a quote from uh, atheist and communist Vladimir Lenin. And he says, give me four years to teach the children and the seed that I have sown will never be uprooted. And the Bible backs up that claim when it says, train up, the chi- train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. And so the idea is what Vladimir Lenin said is that, give me four years to teach the children. The seed that I have sown will not be uprooted. Yeah. In whatever way you train your child, that is not going to be uprooted, whether it be things for Christ or not. Yeah. Secular things. Outside of a real inner encounter with Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, the Holy Spirit moving. Like, and I've met adults that are the same as they were trained, broken and hurting when they were kids. Well, you and I were not necessarily raised in Christian homes. I mean, like, you know. Quasi. Yeah, barely. And so even though the Holy Spirit moved into our life and we did give ourselves to Christ and let God have lordship over our lives. And we're Christians now. Um, the sin from our old life still has rubbed off on us and we still have to work through 
those things to walk out our lives according to scripture. Yes, absolutely. Because that's the way we were trained. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. (laughs) It's very true. So hopefully that helps answer that question for you guys. Number five, uh, what is your stance on denominations in the church? My boyfriend is Catholic and I am a non-denominational or, and I go to attend a non-denominational church. When we get married as a wife, would I have to submit to his leadership to raise our family Catholic? Even if I don't feel that the Catholic church helps me grow closer in my personal relationship with God. Okay. Wow. This is like a super Mm. touchy question here. Um, and this is our last question for this episode. Um, a couple things and hear me when I say this, because I want to be respectful. If we have some people that are listening to this podcast that are Catholic, um, from my understanding and from my study, which I've done lots and I actually have lots of, I don't say lots. I have a few really good Catholic friends and I grew up Catholic. Yeah. Veronica grew up Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I went to Catholic school. That's why I said pri- earlier, I went from private school to public school, but my private school years were in the, um, in a Catholic school up until sixth grade. Yeah. And theologically at the core, Catholics aren't Christians. Now there are Christians in the Catholic church for sure. I know several Catholics, uh, who are Christian, but theologically speaking, Catholic theology and Christian theology do clash on some pretty big stuff. Um, I actually, in research for this question, looked up um, several articles. One of them I read on the Gospel Coalition and uh, a PhD in theology, and he explained it really well and ultimately ended with, with uh, what he, how he answers this question about dating across denominational borders of, of Catholic and Christian. Um, the Protestant denominationalism, which we'll talk about next is a different topic, but Catholic and Christian are almost two religions, um, that having, having different uh, approaches to theology and his conclusion was to break up and, um, and let me get there, uh, to explain that real quick. Um, and Catholic theology is majorly different than biblical Christian theology. Um, so that's the biggest problem that you have for the, for, for, for whoever answered or asked this question is that if you want to be a biblical woman, that's going to be a real hard thing to pull off in a Catholic marriage. Um, secondly, uh, you don't just want a Christian man, you want a biblical man. Um, and you're not going to get that in generally speaking out of someone who is a Catholic, unless they're a Christian in the Catholic church, Mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, Catholics, well, Christians believe in sola scriptura, which is Latin for scripture alone. And that is a, you know, Catholics know this, um, the Protestantism, Protestantism, um, that was started by Martin Luther and several others back in the 1500s. Lots of you guys have heard about the reformation. What that's, what that's about is the reformed theology that comes out of the Catholic church in the 1500s. And, um, uh, you know, the Catholics believe that the Pope's writing and church tradition are equal with the Bible. Like they have the same authority and that throws kind of a big wrench in the biblical Christian's life. Um, and most Catholics I know don't really revere the scriptures the way that Protestant Christians do. And so again, I do believe there's a bit of an unequally yoked element here. Um, and, uh, 
you know, and, and again, there's more things in terms of, you know, Christians believe that we're saved by grace through faith, not, not by works, lest anyone should boast, right? Where Catholics do believe that there's, it's saved by grace through faith, but in addition with works, there's the transubstantiation and the way that, you know, sacraments are viewed. There's lots of different stuff that are different between Catholic theology and Christian theology that aren't happening between all the Protestant denominations in the church. Um, I do believe in general that Jesus is not a fan of denominations inside the Christian church. Um, mm-hmm. We know that because John chapter 17, where, 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 um, where Jesus is praying, it's called the high priestly prayer. Um, he's right about to go get crucified and he prays for the, the future believers, including you and I, if you believe in Jesus. And he says, Father, I pray that they are one as, as we are one. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of denomination is a division. It's a dissension. And um, I, I actually did a, a full video on denominations that you, again, could also watch on YouTube that I go way more into detail and give you some more context. So if you're freaking out because you're like a loyal Methodist or a loyal Lutheran or whatever it might be, just watch that. I think I did it with a humble heart and an opened hand, not a white-knuckled theology on that. Um, but Veronica can read the scripture, you know. Yeah, um, the one that Rodale said, do not be unequally yoked is Second Corinthians 6.4, if you wanted to look that up and research that. Um, and then also remember to the person who is writing this question, sounds like a woman because she's talking about a boyfriend, yeah. um, just remember that if you marry him as a Christian woman, yes, according to scripture, you will need to submit to his authority. And yeah. That is scripture commands. Yeah. And, and so that is, that's why, you know, when your daughters get older, you should let your daughters, you know, sure you want to point them in the right direction. You want to have father's approval, things like that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, your daughter is the one who's making the decision to say, can I submit to this man for the rest of my life? She's the one that's going to have to walk that out. And so she needs to really be able to make that final call. Um, you know, whether you approved him as a, as a, as a man to, to marry your daughter or not. Um, that, that scripture, second Corinthians six, four is talking about, do not un, be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's, it talks about unbelievers, but the concept and the principle is still true. Is there marriages that have worked? Sure. They are the exception. Um, but it's very difficult to fulfill the oneness, the one flesh commands that are throughout marriage if you're not on the same page in theology. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if you were my daughter, I'd say, break it off. I'd say, break it off or, or have a conversation with him about that. This is a game changer conversation. Either you are going to come and have this conversation and join me in the Christian faith. Um, or we're not going to continue forward uh, because I fear this, inability to be one the way that the scriptures call us to be one. And so hard, hard answer. And I'm, I'm being very gentle because I don't, every unique situation and story and person has a, there's always different. Everyone's Mm -hmm. different. Yeah. So I want to be careful with that. So, um, yeah, since today was a Q and a, we are not going to be answering a question at the end of the episode today because our entire episode is questions. Yep. Um, but we do have a memory verse for you guys this week. Um, and this week it is John eight thirty one through 32. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is 
probably one of my favorite scriptures. You guys should all know this. This is, again, I'm going to read it again because it's so good. Again, John 8, 31, 32. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Meaning that if you don't abide in his word, then you're not his disciple. And it says, and you shall know the truth when you abide in his word and the truth shall shall make make you free. free. Yeah. So, um, we'll leave you guys with that again. If you guys would be so kind to leave a review, um, if this content was good for you, you can just tap the stars on the iTunes app. If people ask also that our show is available for people on Android, they can find it. And you can also go to ultimatemarriage.com and, uh, just click on the podcast link and you can have the show notes for this episode, all the quotes, all the scripture we referenced, the YouTube videos embedded there that you can listen to it there. Um, and this is episode number 10. And mm-hmm. so we're in there. We're and the double digits now. Double digits. <laughs> and guys, we last month we had 53,000 people um, listen to the show. Um, and uh, so we're just super humbled by that. Veronica hates Crazy. knowing those numbers. because I don't like, like knowing those numbers because I'm already nervous enough as it is. And then hearing those numbers, I'm like, ah. yeah. and then I stumble on my words all the time. And <laughs> <sighs> so anyways, thank you guys for joining us. And we will... See you guys or talk to you guys next next week. week. See ya. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ultimate Marriage. If you're homesick for a stronger marriage, visit our website at ultimatemarriage.com and consider enrolling in our one-year online marriage mentor program. Also, if you're interested in learning more about building a better marriage, follow Veronica and I on social media where each week we share tips, tricks, and lessons on building a biblical marriage. Partridge here. Many of you don't know, but Ultimate Marriage is actually a ministry under our nonprofit organization, relearnchurch.org. Our mission at Relearn Church is to bring the church back to the Bible. And secondly, to relearn what it means to be the church in the world. Now, we do this in four ways. The first is we train Christians how to plant biblical house churches. And we do this through in-person workshops and online media. The second is helping Christian married couples have biblical marriages. Now, this podcast, our retreats, and our 12-week online program is part of that effort. The third is biblical parenting, and the fourth is biblical manhood. As of now, we only have enough budget to build out the first two initiatives, but our hearts are yearning to create more content, more courses, more programs, and more events. But we need your help. If our ministry has been impactful in your life, would you prayerfully consider supporting Relearn Church financially? From $5 per month and up, every little bit helps. And if this interests you, you can make a tax-deductible donation at relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your consideration.